0: My name is Alan Cowley and I am your regular invested investor host. This podcast I'm thrilled to be sat opposite Kath Austin, the architect behind BB Wraps. Kath founded BB Wraps in 2017 and has built a growing startup which creates re- reusable and natural food wraps that replace cling film and plastic and we will hear a lot more about this later on in the podcast. So although entrepreneurship is relatively new to you, um, you have been awarded several awards, including the SME Entrepreneur of the Year at the 2018 SME National Awards, which is seriously impressive. Thank you. Um, so before we go on to BB Wraps and understand the, the causes behind that mm-hmm. and, and why you started a company, let's just hear about a little bit about your background and, and, and life before venturing into the startup world.
1: Sure. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, my background um, is in fundraising for the third sector. Um, I I was a bit of a um, an every job sort of person. I kind of did a lot of things before I hit on really what resonated with me. Um, the what really resonated was a cause something that did good something that gave me fulfillment in my job and I found that after doing voluntary work in the event sector and then moving into fundraising for the charity world Um, I was very happy there Um, I spent 11 or 12 years working for different charities and I, I wanted to stay. I found a home at Arthur Rank Hospice Charity where um, it's like a big family and everybody uh, loved all working towards this um, this one cause. Uh, but at the same time, I was doing lots of kind of home projects. I've always got something going on, which, um, yeah, it just it's just curiosity, I guess. Um, and I started doing making sourdough bread a little bit random yeah. um but at the same time i i'd had my first daughter um and i i realized that there was an awful lot more waste coming into the house in the form of packaging and um just how you go through things so quickly when you have children because they grow up quickly or they have special food or, or whatever and so uh, the, these two things converged i had um I've gone too far, haven't I? Off the question. (laughs) Um, So the two the two things converged: making sourdough bread and being very concerned about all this waste. And I realised that when you when you make sourdough bread, it doesn't come with packaging. Um, And the fact that I was making packaging was avoiding the waste. And I thought, well, there's got to be something to solve this problem that's left behind. Um, I didn't want to use plastic bags, obviously, um, so I looked back at what we did before we had plastic, which is only 100 years old, and people use all sorts of things that sometimes people just put them inside fabric, but other people were waxing cotton, and, it, and still to this day, some bread manufacturers wax paper, but it's not a biodegradable, compostable wax, and um, so I looked into ways that I could make this in my own home, and I discovered that across the world, there's kind of a cottage artisanal industry of making waxed cotton to preserve food. This is a great idea, and I started doing it at home, completely caked the house <laughs> in molten wax. Um, and then, yeah, so it kind of took off from there. People loved it. David, my partner, got fed up of it and said, "We we just do something with it and test the market? <laughs> And that's kind of when it happened.
0: All right, so before we go on to testing the market, how yeah. do you actually make this product? And, what, and can you describe... You know, listeners can go to BB Wraps and we'll put it it in the show notes. But can you just describe what it is and how you actually make it? Yeah,
1: sure. So Without um, giving too
0: many secrets away, obviously. I'm not going to give you (laughs) anything.
1: (laughs) So a BB Wrap is essentially a piece of organic cotton that's been infused with a formula of beeswax, resin and jojoba oil. Um, Those last two ingredients help the beeswax be more pliable and grippy. But it's mainly beeswax. And so once it's infused in the cotton that holds it, you can use the heat of your hands to shape it around food just like you would cling film. And it shapes around bowls and uh, all sorts of other um, containers. So it completely replaces the need for any plastic covering or foil. Um, and it actually keeps food fresh as well because unlike plastic, which is hermetically sealed, this has tiny microscopic holes left in it and so the, it can breathe without becoming stale.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the, 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 the molding, so once it's molded over, say, a bowl to keep some some food um, yeah. for a few days, what do you do with it afterwards? When when, do, you, do you throw it away? Do you, ah, no, do you... that's
1: the one of the best things about it is that you, you don't need to throw it away. You can wash it. So you wash it in cold, soapy water, let it drip dry, and then you can reuse it over and over. And it will last around a year. And the more you wash it, the more you use it, the more the beeswax wears away. It won't just stop working, um, but it will eventually come to the end of its life. And th- at that point, we recommend that you repurpose the BB wrap as a fire lighter. Okay. So just cut it up into little strips, twist it, and then use it to start your barbecue or wood-burning stove.
0: So, uh, d- so once it's over the bowl, does mm-hmm. it stretch or does it, like, once you clean it, like... Kind
1: of no it doesn't stretch the beeswax because it has a low melting point it momentarily softens that helps it grip against the bowl or against itself if you say wrapping a sandwich or cheese um yeah and then and then it sticks and makes this breathable seal
0: oh, brilliant brilliant okay so you, you've you've created here at home yep <laughs> um what happened next and and obviously the influence here a bit is your husband that pushed <laughs> you towards it but um yeah so what what happened next talk us through the the process and and, okay. and how we're here today so
1: the, the, the he obviously is very um understanding of all my crazy projects which is a great thing uh but this one did go on for a while and he said you know i don't know what you're going to do with this if it's just for us great can you just scale it down a bit but if it's not then fail fast and that's become a real mantra for us at BB Raps. is that it's no point just keep kind of flogging a dead horse just fail fast, and then get on to the next thing. So he said, look, just put it on the internet and see if it does something. And so I thought the best platform for it to go on was Etsy, which is like the eBay for homemade goods. Uh, I put it on Etsy and I kind of forgot about it. And the next day, David said, have you had any orders? And I, said, oh, I haven't even checked. So I went and checked and I had two orders from complete strangers, not my mum. <laughs> and I thought, well, there's obviously a demand if within 12 hours I've had two people order from someone they, they have no trust in, they have no reason to order from me other than the fact they want what I'm doing. And uh, My friend, who's a, a bit of an ex uh, an Etsy um, store watch, she said, that's really, really strange that it takes quite a while to get going on Etsy. So immediately there was all this evidence to say there's a market out there for this product and later on that year david attenborough launched blue planet and started bringing to the forefront the problem with plastic pollution and so it was the right timing as well um so yeah the etsy orders started going up um we i was making them in the evenings after i finished work and the kids were in bed and i was making them in my kitchen very long process of making each wrap it's we've managed to scale up production now but back then it was literally painting every single wrap we'd lay it on a, a, a heated sheet um, and we'd paint molten beeswax onto the sheets on after the other and then hang them on a washing line it was a, a crazy way to do it uh, but we have to start somewhere and it really is roll your sleeves up and, and get on with it so then I discovered um, a way to be able to, well, someone introduced me to Cambridge Social Ventures. It was um, Estelle Levin of um, Levin Sources. Um, She was stood at a bouncy castle watching our kids bounce Mm -hmm. up and down and I was telling her what I was doing. And next thing you know, she said, you should go on this Social Ventures weekend um, where they do a kind of three-day programme for people wanting to start social ventures, a 101 of how to do it. And I went, it was at the Judge Business School Um, I walked in completely overwhelmed by the building because it is a little, you know, daunting. And and I felt very, very inspired because the first person to get up and speak was Belinda Bell. And she said, you're here because we believe that you've got something special to give and we want to get behind you and help you. So it was a real kind of light bulb moment. Oh, this is actually something I could do. Um, and then Belinda encouraged me to apply for the incubator program and I was lucky enough to to get on it which a lot of other people didn't so amazingly that these people had trust and belief in what I wanted to do and next thing you know I'm on holiday in, in August and I'm about to start the program and I only work part time anyway which I don't anymore and I had to make that decision um, do I give up my job? And give everything to this or the, try to juggle fundraising and bb raps and motherhood and every other part of my life um, that I, I, it's impossible so um we were driving back from our holiday talking about it kids asleep in the back stuck on the m25 and david said it's a bit of a no-brainer isn't it you don't earn that much anyway <laughs> <laughs> So he's always very progressive <laughs> about these things. And he was right. He's right. And I was just held back by fear that this was such a nice, comfortable place I'd found myself in. And I was really happy. But it doesn't mean that I should have ignored this opportunity. And it did just land in my lap. Yeah. So I decided to give up my job. And I, I went to see my uh, my boss, Lynn Morgan, and Donna Tolbert, and basically cried on them right that's it I've got to do it and they understood entirely so then I put everything into BB wraps going to the incubator program um, every month and then working on it diligently Um, so until November when I said well I can't keep up I've got to get somebody Um, and my first employee um, was called BB (laughs) which is hilarious (laughs) so BB came to work for BB and she would come to the house every day She would uh, make the the wraps and and pack them and I would get on with all that kind of business admin, which started to grow as the business grew. Uh, You know, I was just making wraps. I didn't know about all this other stuff that goes on. Um, We didn't think we were going to have a very busy time in January after the Christmas rush, which it was a brilliant Christmas. Um, But then for some reason, the Guardian picked up on the fact we were doing this and they ran... Uh, an article on plastic alternatives and they used a picture that i'd taken on my phone of my wraps, and they put it on their headline and oh, then re- referred to us and i think we took 400 orders in three days <laughs>
0: <laughs> all to make in your kitchen
1: yep <laughs> so at that point Bibi said I, I said Bibi you've got to come back and help me um because she she was you know only came for the christmas yeah. rush um, I called in friends and family to come and help. David really got involved at that point. Didn't ever really leave. <laughs> and it was, it was such a fun time, fun, crazy, you know, chaotic. But what that did um, was gave us a cash injection because when you sell direct, you get the money up front, yeah. which is fab. Um up, and so the Cambridge Social Ventures guys, they I mean, they just thought it was amazing. And they'd given me, they'd asked me to set three objectives for the year that I was on the Incubator programme. And the first one was to move out of the kitchen and into proper commercial premises. And that and cash injection really gave us um, the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one was to try to source our own fabric because we were using somebody else's. And it's not branded, but it's not our own. And of course, we couldn't put our brand on it very easily. Um, and the third thing we had to do was find a better way to make them because it, we could never scale. it would just be a linear scale to to do it the way we were doing it, but to grow exponentially and really scale up properly, we'd have to find a different way to to make them. so yeah, that was the next thing that happened we I had no idea who to approach. Who do you approach when you are when you want to build a machine to make? beeswax wraps um and i asked a lot of different people and it was actually through a contact that i Cambridge consultants popped up and said we'll we'll help you (laughs) (laughs) so that was really nice we we worked together on a project to create bertha bertha is our machine affectionately known as bertha just you know for shorthand
0: from um from the 80s stop motion yeah.
1: yeah that's yeah, that's exactly it.
0: No, oh, brilliant. So this, so the incubator. You, how long were you on the program for?
1: We're on the program for a year.
0: For a year. Yeah. So let's just talk about a little bit about that. What? Uh, obviously, they set you some targets and some objectives. Mm-hmm. But what else did you get from that? Like for budding entrepreneurs that are listening to this, mm-hmm. what, what, what would be the reasons to go into an incubator?
1: Okay, so I have. There's two massive reasons. The first one, personally, is confidence and. Um, the mentorship really helped me to believe that this was a good idea because you can sit there and think you've got a great idea and you see it all the time with people and you think god that's such a stupid idea don't waste your time but unless you have perspective how are you meant to really know so if you have some a mentor who has got a lot of experience and says no you're onto something you've got traction that was a brand new word to me (laughs) This is, that's really valuable to me to be able to have someone objective say no, keep going. This is the right thing to do. Um, and the second thing is the kind of practical side of running a business and learning another one hundred and one of how to run a business. Learning what a cash flow is, learning what P and L she is all these things i'm still not you know i wouldn't be able to give you a 101 on a pnl but i've certainly got an awareness of it now and i understand much better why it's so important to know where your cash is and, and all sorts of other things so that that was crucial
0: do, do they do training on the incubator program yeah
1: as well? so they do i think it's two or three days a month they might have changed it now um for the first six months and they have lots of different experts come in and talk about Um, all sorts of aspects so it might be your social media it might be the finance um, it could be resilience as an entrepreneur which is so important now especially when you reach that two-year mark and you really start to feel (laughs) the grind Um, but yeah they they cover an awful lot of subjects and then you can ask for specific things if you need to know more about something
0: yeah okay Mm -hmm. Um, so so you, you've been running the company now for two and a half years mm-hmm. um, and you've been through the incubator and we're now in a, a nice nice office. Um, uh, nice office? Is it a nice office? I don't um, know. As,
1: as, of, <laughs> as of a month ago, as a month it's ago. a nice office.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right, so we've moved into that. Um, let's talk about some of the biggest challenges you faced mm-hmm. along the way and then it'd be good to hear a bit more about the market. So w- what do you think have been those those big issues and those big things that you've had to overcome?
1: I think that personally it was this um, idea that I wasn't a business person and that I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So it's, I, you know, the, the phrase that has always come back to me is I'm feeling my way in the dark. But the realisation that a lot of people are doing that is, is really valuable Um and also being able to trust my instincts was a good lesson to learn. But I'm still at the point where I'm absorbing all these lessons and trying to dodge the kind of classic mistakes people make when they, they grow a business. That first year of being in business, um, yeah, first 18 months, I look back now and think, oh, gosh, why did I do that? Silly mistakes that you make, like spending too much money on one thing and not another. Um, But looking back now, I think, well, I probably won't do that again. But who knows what I'll do this year. Next year, I'll look back and go, ah. So on a personal level, this is such a steep learning curve for me. But I am just absorbing it all like a sponge. But from the business perspective, um, it's a new market. We're carving out this brand new market that is really just at the beginning of this, of the curve. I hope it is anyway, I think it is. Um, and so we're discovering new ways to talk to our customers. Um, we're discovering our new customers. Um, and we're trying to scale quick enough to respond to this huge demand for this an alternative. Plastic has been kind of vilified. It's got its uses, but certainly not in a single-use capacity in most cases. Um, and no one seems to have... Everyone's cr- cr- screaming out for an alternative. We've got one and we're just trying to scale enough to, to meet that demand. And one of the real challenges for us is that we've never been ahead. Yeah. We've always been responding and never got to that point where we go, Oh, we've got stock on the shelves. <laughs> we just haven't. We just can't make them fast enough.
0: Yeah. It's <clears throat> a seriously good thing to have for
1: the <laughs> I know, it's definitely better to be that way around. <laughs> yeah. And we did have a quiet period and it was such a shock. To get stuff. Oh right, so and in retail, and that's essentially we're manufacturing and retail. So that's us. In January and February, it is a bit of a shock to suddenly see it dip so low again. And we did catch up a bit, but then it just ramped up. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're planning for next January and February and to see how that goes. But yeah, we've we've always struggled to just keep ahead and and yeah, to not let people down by not responding quick enough um just because it's it's so big at the moment
0: yeah okay so let's talk about the market a little bit more Mm. um so you're saying this is a new market and 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 I'm presuming there's other players that are coming into it as well because of the exposure it's having and hopefully hopefully we get more and more yeah not just yourselves because it's something that needs to happen and Mm. it might be healthy competition for yourself but what what is that competition look like and, and 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 where do you think the market's kind of heading
1: so um, as, we, as we walked into this market and started scaling BB Reps, we realised there, there was competition. Most of it was from overseas, which is good, because the market that we sit in is concerned with reducing the impact on the earth. So if you, don't, if you want to ship something in from another country, you've really got to think long and hard about that. So our main competitors are in America and Canada, um, a few in Australia, and of course, because the way things are in the UK and how everyone's eyes have been open to plastic, there is, there are a few other people in the UK doing it. <clears throat> and I would say two years ago, that was the case. Now, there are lots and lots of people doing it, but they're two years behind us. And you know, making that decision to go big or go home, a lot of people say, well, I'll just stay in my kitchen and see how it goes. And it's a nice little kind of, little business for me and but I'd never wanted to do that I always wanted to go big and the reason why is because what is the point of only reaching 500 people when you could reach 5 million people well just by trying to scale the business more you you, you scale exponentially so you reach more people just by scaling you know uh, so many times over so We are, we have competition, our market is growing, but we know that we're, I guess people refer to us as market leaders in this country anyway, um, because we started earlier. One of the other reasons why I think that we do have a bit of an edge is because we've positioned ourselves very differently to our competitors in the UK. So um, there are a few other companies, but they all market themselves as an eco product. And I don't ever want to be seen as that traditional kind of beigey, maybe boring (laughs) eco product. I want our product to stand alongside other, uh, you know, standard things that you buy in any other shop and not look so different that people go, oh, I don't know about that. Um, I think you have to be an eco warrior to buy that. Because otherwise, how are we ever going to talk to the mass? How are we ever going to cross the chasm and speak to everybody else? How, how are we going to persuade them that's what they need if they're not sure that eco is what they want? They, they just want something that they feel an affinity with. Or Our customers are mostly women. They like things that look good, that make them feel good, that this is, this is what we're responding to. I know that because I think I am my customer. And I, So we made BB Wraps look really cool, really pretty, and less eco.
0: Okay, so how do you reach everyone else then? Well, because,
1: what's next? What's yeah? So we've thought long and hard about how how do we reach everybody else? Um, for me, I think that still, even in a world where women go to work and you know women are as, uh, considered equal to men and they're not kind of stuck in the home so much anymore. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's less of a distinction now. They still do kind of guide that. Um, the use of BB wraps; they they still very much have their uh, the decision making for us, and so our products are meant to replace single use plastic in the kitchen. At the moment, we have another product coming out soon, which we've outsourced the manufacturing for, and that replaces um, plastic sponges because it it can it's just as absorbent, but it can be washed, and so you can reuse it, and it's compostable. And so we know that by it's still speaking to Um, women who are our main customers, 90% of our customers are women, then we can start talking about other products. And what we hope, what I hope that will do, is strengthen the BB brand as the brand to go to if you want an alternative that does just as good or if not better. Um, And those women hopefully will talk to other women, the men.
0: (laughs) What about your classic, um, I buy a roll of cling film for £4 and that lasts me six months to a year
1: yeah that's um I get asked that question quite a lot because cling film is cheaper if you look at it that way it's it's very cheap but I always say first of all it costs the earth it really does if you think about every single time you take the plastic you take that cling film out you use it a few times and then you throw it away where does it go We may have to make a decision just based on that. But then also, if you really are kind of hung up on the economics of it, um, BB wraps actually save food waste. So you can uh, wrap um, herbs or salad in cling film or plastic bags and they will eventually disintegrate into this kind of green sludge. If you put them in a BB wrap, they last lots longer because it's breathable. So the greatest example we have is coriander, which is a naturally quite a delicate herb. And you put it in plastic and it really stinks after a while. But in uh, a BB wrap, it stays fresh for two weeks, maybe like a week to two weeks. You've got much more chance of finishing that coriander before you waste it and have to throw it away because you've not got to it in time. And so if you add up all the times, two pounds a bag of coriander, add up all the times you don't do that. Yeah. There you
0: are. There's your saving. There's your saving. Okay. All right. So we've had a we've had a chat about the, a bit of the future. Let's talk about fundraising mm-hmm. and um, and investment. So um, what? <coughs> let's talk a little bit about what you've already had, but let's talk more about what what's kind of what you're looking for in the future and 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 kind of that process of going through that. So have, have you had any fund? You've had some funding already, haven't you?
1: Yes. Yeah. We um, again right from the beginning. To scale, we knew that, I knew that we would need some um, capital, but I had just no idea really where to go about it. And this is where Cambridge Social Ventures was so helpful. They they just gave all the options and all the pros and cons for each one. Because BB Wraps has always been pretty good at making cash just because it sells stuff, it made sense to not go for equity investment straight away it made sense to go for loan finance um, <clears throat> because uh, belinda was involved with foundation east um, she set it up it was a logical thing to have a look at what they did they had a social venture fund that um she recommended us for um and <clears throat> bob shimon who um is one of the uh portfolio managers there he came to Do a session on it, and he explained everything, and it just made a lot more sense to be able to borrow the money and just see what we could do with it without losing any control or any of the the equity immediately. Um, So we've had two rounds of investment from them, and it's really, really helped us to be able to. Uh, finance Bertha. Yeah. Um, also, the buying power we have now is so much bigger. So we did, in that first year, we did manage to source our own fabric. And we did move out and we did um, install Bertha. And so now we spend, you know, we used to spend a couple of thousand on cotton. Now we spend tens of thousands on cotton each time. And just to be able to do that, to have that capital, that's really helped us to bring our um, cost of goods sold down. So, That's what we've had so far and what we need next. I I mean, when you arrived, I was looking at our plan for the next year. I call it my 2020 vision and I am going to die now on that forever. (laughs) (laughs) So we're looking at um, how we'd like to change things over the next year to 18 months. And it's huge. This vision I've got is is huge. I'm not sure I can do it in in that time, but I know that we definitely need not only um, some investment, but also... I probably need somebody who you know an investor who can come along with some experience in that area and and give us a hand in terms of where we go next and, and how we scale perhaps that you know manufacturing and, and just how we scale up from birth up yeah mm. okay
0: and, and, and what concerns you about that do you think
1: um, yeah, I think I'm really concerned about making the right choice because I think you only really get one stab at this choosing the right investor the right investor yeah Uh, I'm sure there are lots of opportunities to work with lots of different people but um, one of yeah we did consider going for we have considered seed funding and then you don't necessarily have that one person uh, and that's a good thing in terms of your liabilities to that person but then you don't get the expertise back so I'm Necessarily because seed investment perhaps there's lots and lots and lots of people with, without necessarily. um Have I got this wrong then? You're looking at me confused.
0: A, a little bit, yeah. Do you mean okay. seed investment is in crowdfunding? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. So seed investment uh is. Uh, we'll chat about We're this going after, to go take this We'll out. chat about <laughs> this afterwards. So the so there's crowdfunding, which is a type of seed investment, but yeah. angel investment, you can still have seeds. You'll have multiple uh, okay. angels involved in that. So. You, you right. don't tend to have. It does happen. Mm-hmm. Do sometimes happen. having have one investor that will give okay. you the expertise, but generally, you will have a seed of investors, say angel investors, if you go going that early, okay. and one of them will be the lead investor who will probably sit on your board. So that's how it well, generally
1: works. That sounds great. Let's do that. Yes. So we'll, <laughs> we'll
0: talk about that. we'll talk about that a little bit more <laughs> more afterwards. Um, but yeah, there's another thing actually. Um, you, you touched on there crowdfunding. Um, and you talked about investors, you were on Dragon's Den, weren't you? I was. Yeah. So you've you've experienced a dramatized version mm-hmm. of, of this process. How yeah. how did you find that experience? One, why did you do it? Two, how did you find it? And does has Dragon's Den put you off, you know, this whole equity finance thing or
1: no. Um <clears throat> so why we went on. The the great thing about that was that it was Being able to speak directly to three million odd people. So we went, I went on, and we say we, it was only me. (laughs) Um, I went on because I knew that I needed to get this idea out to people. Um, And it was great publicity. Um, The whole experience, um, I probably wouldn't equate it to the same expected experience. Of dealing with an angel investor I think they're completely different this is a this is a an entertainment show with real investors still but they're there to make entertainment and they did they 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 do a really good job of it um I didn't get to speak to the dragons until I walked in and I didn't get to speak to the dragons afterwards when I walked out so I literally walked in pitched and was I was grilled for, (laughs) for a long time for an hour and a quarter and um yeah, so the the experience was pretty scary. But what I think it's given me is a lot of confidence that if I well if I can do that, having a conversation with a nice person <laughs> like, like a, an angel investor who's actually interested and wants to help and wants to be part of this um venture, then well that's it's taken away a lot of the fear for me. Cuz I think yeah. that's the ultimate fear is going onto a TV show. And putting yourself out there and a bit you know, it's a bit of humiliation involved as well. So I'm looking forward to the opportunity to sit down with a potential investor and talk it through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well I know that that sounds like an optimum chance of one, a mixture of publicity and 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 the the dauntedness around business to then go in front of five or however three it's business five, five business well-known business people mm. and have to talk about that that's you know big tick on um, whatever happens <laughs> doesn't really matter at least you learned something from it didn't you so yeah
1: yeah and they did they, they were merciless they did ask <laughs> lots of really difficult questions many of which weren't in, you know, were in the final cuts but I've answered those questions under pressure so yeah feeling good feeling yeah. like I could do it
0: so an experience everyone should try to to do
1: no. <laughs> no. No. Perhaps not. I think it's one of those ones that I'll, I'll always say, Oh yeah, I did that, but perhaps wouldn't perhaps wouldn't do it again, just you know, out of choice.
0: <laughs> um, um so that's a serious um experience of Dragon's Den in the past. But let's let's just talk about the future. And I know you just you touched on the twenty twenty vision, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure is trademarked. <laughs> But um, yeah, what is your what is your twenty twenty vision and and further on?
1: Yeah, so the the next year we we know that we're well regarded as being producers of beeswax wraps of, of BB wraps. Um, we've got some really interesting um, discussions going on with some major retailers right now. I'm I'm hoping that twenty twenty will be the year that those launch. Um, but, but past that, I. I want the BB brand to be more than just this one product. I would like it to, for people to be able to trust that brand as um, a brand that brings forward alternatives that actually work, that look good, that don't cause too much, um, too much of your investment. It's easy to switch. It's not going to be painful to switch over to our brand. Like, this is this is a good thing, and so. I really want to work on, on increasing the value of, of the BB brand by bringing out other products that do the same thing. They switch from single-use plastic that's unnecessary over to something that's far more sustainable. Yeah. That's that's what really excites me. And part of that um, process as well is the kind of narrative that goes with that. So I want people to use one of our products and say, well, "What else can I do?" And then really start that kind of mobilizing mindset. Um, And also that thought leadership, I know that's quite a kind of business term, but kind of dictating the the agenda and what what comes next. And also encouraging other people who perhaps find themselves in my position, um, especially the younger generation. Having two daughters and really knowing where I came from and where I am now, I'd like to encourage people in the same position who are younger to be able to know that they can do this. My daughter sat down at the dinner table a few about a year ago and said to my mum, uh, "Did you have a business when Mummy was a little girl?" And just knowing that is a comment made by then a six year old, and she's watching everything. And knowing that that happened means that there's so much more I can do to encourage the next generation to come through with far less limiting belief and, and a higher kind of glass ceiling if there if there is one.
0: So there's a the possibility that in 10 or 20 years time she might take over.
1: <laughs> she she very well might. Well they'll have to fight it over the both of them because I've got two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: um well, well we'll wait out we'll wait and, and see what we'll <laughs> see what happens. There. Um it has been absolutely fantastic to have you on um, on the show this oh, week thank and you. and it it it's great to hear that um you know this cause led motivation isn't is is not just producing something in your kitchen you know you've taken that step and um and and all the best for the future
1: thanks so much thank you very
0: much thanks for listening to another investor investor podcast you can subscribe to all future podcasts via our website investorinvestor.com or via a number of online podcast platforms and be sure to follow us on twitter linkedin and facebook to get the most up-to-date, interesting and insightful content.